welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to talk about learning to prophesy today. No telling what you're going to have when you walk in here. We are in a series on the Holy Spirit, and part of that series is that I've been going through chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, because this is the place in which Paul describes the spiritual life of the early church. The churches he planted. And this is one, Corinth. He is disciplined in Corinth, yes. But in his discipline, we are, le- we are learning about how those churches functioned. And we're hearing his pastoral counsel, his apostolic uh, counsel to them. And we're learning from it. We're letting him be our apostle. So he has, we have just finished chapter 13 in which he is, he's talked about the love of God, the Christ-like love, agape love, which should be guiding us in everything we do. He says, you've been coming to church, and that particular group spoke in tongues, all of them a lot and loud. So they would come together and apparently roar in, in tongues. He says, you're getting edified personally, but he says, that's very selfish. You've got visitors, you've got others, you're not caring for anyone else, you're focused on yourself. Imagine that. Back then, people came to church just to get. So he says, don't do that. He says, this is you. I want you to come to church to give. I want you to think about how may I be a blessing to others. He says, here's the love of God that should constrain you. Here's, how, how it, here's what it does and here's how it acts. And then he says, now I'm going to show you that when you gather as a church, how to let love guide you. And I'm going to take two particular gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophecy. And I'm going to show you how love will guide you in how you use those gifts. Father, open our hearts to the word Open the word to us, Lord. We love you. We would, we would understand and follow. Paul is our apostle. We are going to walk in everything you've given us. Everything you've given us. Teach us now to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says, chapter 14, verse 1, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Would you say especially that you may prophesy? For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, but for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. But even more that you would prophesy. Would you say even more that you would prophesy? By by the way, the, the Greek says absolutely that. He says basically, I want you all to speak in tongues. And even more than that, I want you all to prophesy. Boom. There it is. And greater than and greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets. So that the church may receive edifying. But 
Now, now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? I will later on paraphrase all of that so we can hear it. Learning to prophesy. Moses longed for it to happen. Uh, there in Numbers chapter 11, you have this event where the Holy Spirit is poured out on some uh, people who, who began to prophesy. And some, and, and some outside the camp were prophesying. And people came and said, uh, uh, stop them. And Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? That, you know, that they're prophesying? He said, and then he expresses this deep heartfelt wish. He says, would that all God's people were prophets. Do you remember that? Say that. Would that all God's people. That is a godly desire in Moses that comes out of his heart. The prophet Joel said it would happen. Just think of that. Joel is basically saying Moses' longing will be fulfilled. Uh, we'll read that passage in, in a minute. And on the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter said it had finally arrived. God gave the gift of prophecy to every one of his people, men and women, young and old. Throughout Israel's history, there had always been prophets, but they were very special individuals and quite rare. Their assignment was to remind people of the covenant that God had made with the nation through Abraham, at Mount Sinai, and with David. They warned that disobedience would bring the curses written in the law of Moses, and promised that obedience would bring the blessings. You remember those curses, don't you? You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a smaller number of blessings listed, but they're good ones. You know, you'll be the head, not the tail, that stuff. But then you've got this long list of curses, which include, you know, every sort of disease, including mildew. I'm not sure what mildew is, but I'm not wanting it. I can tell you that. And it just says, if you walk away from my covenant, these things will happen to you. And he just goes down this horrific list of curses. The prophets were spokespeople for the covenant. They, they weren't just crabby. They weren't just sort of biting at people. The, they were reminding people, the covenant says this. The covenant says, if we will walk in God's ways, he will bless us. Did you hear that in his promise? And then the, prophet, the, uh, the covenant says, if he, we do not, we will walk in his curses. And they begin to say, and this is going to happen to you. And they were right. It did. The Lord was slow and patient, but he would indeed bring those curses as time went on if they insisted on walking in it. So you understand the prophets are spokespeople for, the, for that covenant. Their counsel was seldom followed during their lifetime. But because they, what they said would happen, happened, their writings were preserved as scripture and future generations looked back and recognized that God had spoken through them. The Bible says Abraham was a prophet, Moses was a prophet, and even David was a prophet. It was a person's capacity to hear from the Lord, then faithfully communicate to others what God had said that made that person a true prophet. And the strength standard was high. One wrong statement, and that person was considered a false prophet. But that line of Old Testament prophets came to an end. John the Baptist was the last one. You realize that? John the Baptist is the last in the line of those Old Testament prophets. That's why the Apostle John is so careful to record exactly what John the Baptist said about Jesus. 
In effect, here was the last great spokesman for the covenants, declaring that God had shown him that Jesus was the Messiah for whom they had all been waiting. It was time for the new covenant to arrive. This is really important uh, to the Apostle John. He's watching John the Baptist and he stood there beside him when he pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The last great prophet of the old covenant points at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This is the one of whom I spoke, saying, he is, uh, whose, whose, whose sandal I'm not worthy to even, even untie. He says, He will... Uh, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, which is purging, cleansing fire, by the way. He will, he will do these things. What Jesus did on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead has profoundly changed the way human beings can relate to God. He made it possible for the Spirit of God to dwell inside our physical bodies. Just as he dwelled in the tabernacle in the wilderness or in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, as Jeremiah had prophesied, every believer can have a deep personal relationship with God. Are you following this? All right, let's read this Jeremiah verse out loud. They shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Just two verses before that, it, Jeremiah actually calls this a new covenant. The, the new covenant. This is the new covenant. God says, I will make a new covenant with you, not like the one I made with your fathers at Mount Sinai. Which he said, they broke though I was a father to them. He says, but I will do this. I will write my law on the fleshy tablets of your heart. In other words, I'm no longer going to count on an external law, list of rules that you'll obey because you ain't doing it. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to do a work inside you. I literally will come and write my law inside you, your heart, your motives. Your, I'm going to change your heart. Take out a heart of stone, says Ezekiel, stick on a heart of flesh. I'm coming in and doing a miracle in the middle of you. Then Jeremiah makes the statement, and you shall all know me from the least to the greatest. And that means know in a relationship. You will intimately know the living God. Every single one of you. People, this is, this, this is, this is an enormous change. No longer does the Spirit just come on certain individuals. Now, every single one of them will have the Spirit of God living in inside them. Do you follow that? That is the new covenant. So when Jesus, just remember, when Jesus takes that cup that night before he's, a, he's crucified, and he holds it up and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The old covenant had blood. They sprinkled the blood of the, uh, of the, of the, of the bull on all of them, basically saying, so be it to you if you break the covenant. Jesus says, my blood, my life, what I'm going to do on the cross will bring you this promised new covenant we just read a portion of. Do you understand? That changes everything. It is not business as usual. When we, this is not just the way it was. Something profound has happened in the spiritual realm. Through Jeremiah, the Lord promised that the new covenant he would make would apply to every one of his people. 
from the least to the greatest. So those who have renewed, who received the new covenant, to them, everything has changed, including, listen, the role of the prophets. That special and rare individual upon whom the Holy Spirit rested to empower him or her to remind people of the covenants their ancestors had made has now been replaced by all of God's people, each one a living temple of the Holy Spirit, empowered to proclaim the blessings of the new covenant that God has made available to the entire world through Jesus Christ. The new covenant turns everyone into a prophet. That we, do, we don't have, yes, there are New Testament prophets, but those are simply people who have a character level that can be trusted. They, have a, they, have a, they minister in that frequently, but they are not substantially different than every other believer. Every believer can hear the Lord. Every believer can speak the word of the Lord. And in fact, must. Do you follow? We don't have the same thing where we go running around trying to find someone who will tell us the word of the Lord. That is immature and sick. That is not normal Christianity. You and I have been given the spirit to know him and to hear from him, every single one of us. This shift from a few to all is an essential element in Joel's prophecy about God's restoration of his people in the last days. Now this is what Peter, this is the, the first words out of Peter's mouth. Uh, when, when the day of Pentecost came and the power of the Holy Spirit fell on everybody and you've got them all speaking in tongues and a huge crowd gathers wondering what's going on, Peter stands up and says, first of all, we're not drunk. Because somebody had accused him of that. He says, we're not drunk. And then he says, this is that which the prophet Joel said would happen. And he quotes what I'm about, we're about. I'll read it. And it <laughs> Let's read it together. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Could that be clearer? Could it be more inclusive? What would he say if he wanted to make it more inclusive? He is expressing both the heart of, of, of Moses. Would that all God's people were prophets. He is expressing, he's expressing the fact that now from the least to the greatest, every single one of you will now have my spirit. Every one of you. I'll take out the heart and I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. Men and women, young and old, no difference. Everyone. That changes everything. That changes, that changes, so that Paul will go on to say there is no male or female in Christ. Meaning in the, in the ministry of the Lord. Are there roles in the family of husband being the pastor of his home, etc.? Yes. Having authority. Yes. That's, but in spiritual life and in, in the church. There is no distinction. You've got to understand that. All of us, full of the Holy Spirit, are just called to do our job. Do what you're given to do. Every one of us, for we stand in Christ with this new covenant. If you don't remember the new covenant, you slide back into old covenant thinking. Yeah. We're in the new. And all of this is associated with the coming of the Messiah. So Peter meant exactly what he said when he stood up before that large crowd. 
on the day of Pentecost and said that the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy had begun that day. Jesus the Messiah had come. His death on the cross had removed the barrier of our sins. And his resurrection had proven that fact. And then as the ascended Lord, he had sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside every man, woman, and child who was willing to repent and believe in him. From that moment on, not only could all prophesy, all could do every type of ministry that Jesus had done. And then I quote John 14, 12. What's that verse say? It says, greater works than I've been doing will you do because I go to the Father. I still struggle with that verse. Like, you got to be kidding. He said it, though. It's his fault. <laughs> he did. He said it. So he said, you, he said, because of what I'm, I'm doing, you now will do everything I've been doing. Meaning all of us. Understanding the change. Unless you and I understand the profound change that has taken place because of the new covenant, we will find ourselves drifting back into, the, into old covenant thinking. If we lose sight of the indwelling presence that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has made possible, in other words, if we don't realize what happens to us when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we will forget that the giver of all gifts dwells within us. We will sit back and wait passively for a few special people to tell us what God says. You hearing this? Most believers need to be taught that we can prophesy. The thought of speaking the word of the Lord can be so intimidating that we can be afraid to step out and try. And frankly, few of us know anyone who is able to teach us how. So when we read these passages in the Bible about the gifts of the Spirit, we acknowledge that they are true. But we have a hard time acknowledging that they are true for us. We don't know where to start. We think to ourselves, maybe the Spirit will come on me so strongly someday that I will I will helplessly blurt out a word that God wants me to say. But until then, I don't want to say anything because I might say something wrong. So there are people sitting and saying, I, I know this stuff is in there and, and, and God knows my address. And if he ever wants to zap me, he can do it kind of thing. That kind of passive approach will not work. You and I, are, are, the Lord wants us to lay hold of all that he has. Um, we have a part to play in this. That attitude of caution is certainly better than being willing to speak, whether the word came from God or not. But our only options aren't silence or recklessness. There is a way to learn how to prophesy. And in a healthy church, there will be people who know Scripture soundly enough to help us evaluate what we're hearing. So if we're brave enough to try and humble enough to be corrected, did, did you hear that? Those two have to go together. If we're brave enough to try and humble enough to be corrected, we will in time learn to recognize the source of what we're hearing and be able to test for ourselves whether a word is in agreement with Scripture. Then with practice, we can let God speak through us whenever he wants to. This, is, this, 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 this process, this skill, this ability is so important. Uh, every... Uh, every type of, of stepping into uh, the spiritual requires us to distinguish between our own flesh and the voice of the Lord. That foundational skill is involved in guidance. It's involved in every one of the gifts. It is the fundamental skill, if you want to call it that, that you have to have 
if you're going to walk in the Spirit in any form. And, and I'm going to talk later about how to, how to, how to recognize that. You, you say to me, I can't do this. This is for these highly emotional folk. <laughs> no, actually, they're, they're more problem than they're... You know, anyway, uh, it, it is not an emotional thing. It is not work yourself up or sort of, you know, that kind of... It has nothing to do with emotion. Nothing. In fact, emotion can get in the way. It has to do with listening to the right voice. And you say, well, I don't have that voice. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. You are created in God's image, which means you're fundamentally spiritual. You are a spirit, an eternal spirit. That's the good news and the bad news. When you die, you don't stop. Promise. Your body falls off and you keep going. That's the good news and that can be the bad news. And you don't keep, so, so you're as spiritual as any person in this room. You're as spiritual as anybody else. You just are. And, you, and actually, if you think about it, you, you, you're all, all the time responding to spiritual input. input. Uh, you'll walk into one particular place and say, ooh, something's wrong here. Yes? yes? Why did you say that? Well, I, I don't know. Did you see something? No. What? I just felt something. I mean, I, what felt something? Your spirit felt something. You walk into another situation and you think, God, boy, the Lord's here. How did you know that? Did you see something? Taste something? Hear something? Smell something? No. Your spirit felt it. Whether you know it or not, you're doing this all the time. In fact, you're hearing stuff all the time. I, I, I guess I will tell you this story. I don't know why it comes to mind. I was at a pastor's, uh, it was a class actually, with, a, with an Englishman who was our professor, uh, David Watson. And we were, uh, at, at, never mind. And there's a bunch of pastors, and they put us into groups. And I'm sitting at a table with, um, well, let's just say people from denominations who, for whom this is not what you'd call your, your, your normal life of, of moving in the spirit. And, um, and we were just pray, we were to pray for each other as, as we feel led. And so one fellow across the table who was definitely from a denomination for whom this is not normal. Um, he said, would you pray for my father-in-law? Okay. And he didn't say any more. He didn't say what was wrong. In fact, I think we were supposed to just say pray. So he said, just pray for my father-in-law. And so I think somebody prayed. And then this guy next to me on the left, who is also from a denomination for whom this is not normal, he starts praying for the salvation of this man's father-in-law. Uh, that he'd be saved. Now, the man hadn't asked for that. He, the man had just said, pray for my father-in-law. And I turned to this guy and I said, when they were done, I could, I could tell what had just happened. And I said, just a moment, gentlemen. I said, can I ask you a question? And I turned to the guy here on my left. And I said, you prayed for his father-in-law to be saved. I said, why did you do that? He didn't say his father-in-law wasn't saved. And then I turned and I said, is your father-in-law saved? He says, well, no, as a matter of fact, he's not. And I said, how did you know that? Does he look like the kind of man that would have an unsaved father-in-law? <laughs> I did say that. Yeah, yeah. He says, does he look like that kind of guy? He says, well, no. He says, I, 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 he says, I don't know why I said that. I, I, I just sort of, sort of knew. And I said... 
Brothers, do you know what just happened? And they all leaned in. What? I said, you just had a word of knowledge. No. <laughs> yes. He said, I thought it would be weirder than that. <laughs> he did. Did you hear his comment? I thought it would be weirder than that. He's having a word of knowledge. He's having, to, this, is it, this is the prophetic. The prophetic is that stepping into listening to the right voice. It's essential. It's foundational. In everything we do, your, your virtual safety is at stake. This is how he will warn you. If you don't learn to listen to that voice, you, you, can, you can die early. I would have been dead. And my family on a couple of occasions had I not listened to that voice and not the flesh. Or at least my wife listened to that voice and not the flesh. <laughs> and insisted I do what it said. Yeah. That's, never mind. So this, this is, okay, I'll move on. But do you, are you capturing where we're going with this? The, the prophetic. Paul says, I want you all to be prophets. That's what he said. It's what he meant. I want you all to speak in tongues. I want you all to prophesy. All of you. And we have heard Joel say, men and women, young and old, this is, there is no distinction. All right? Understanding the change. I read that. Didn't I? Yeah. Listening to Paul. Now what I want to do is I'll just very quickly uh, read that Corinthians passage once more. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, when I mean paraphrase, I translated it from the Greek. But if I, if I just put it in literal language, it kind of just stumbles along. But if I, I'm going to paraphrase what I believe the Corinthians heard Paul say. And this is, but so here was the words. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But the one, one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Here we go. Before we look at some practical steps that uh, can help us learn to prophesy, let's listen to some of what Paul said about the importance of prophecy in his letter to the Corinthians. I have paraphrased these verses so he can teach us as freely as he taught them. Here's what I hear Paul saying. Now that you understand what real love is and why it is so important that you allow it to guide you in everything you do, I'm going to, I, Paul, am going to show you how God's love will guide you in the use of the grace gifts of the Spirit. I will use speaking in tongues and prophecy as my examples. Let me be clear. I don't want you to stop being passionate for the things of the Spirit. What I'm trying to tell you is that you must always let love guide you in how and when you minister in the Spirit. In the past, your passion was focused on speaking in tongues. But in the future, when you gather together as a church, I want you to seek to prophesy rather than speak in tongues. 
Because the person who speaks in tongues is speaking only to God because no one else knows what he or she is saying. Their words remain a mystery to everyone. The person who is speaking in tongues is edified. But remember, when God's love is guiding us, we are no longer focused on ourself, but on the needs of others. So when you gather, prophecy is of far greater help than tongues because when someone prophesies, everyone either has their faith strengthened, uh, that's what Paul means by edification, or their will challenged to take a step of obedience, exhortation, or their heart comforted, By God's promises, comfort or consolation. Don't misunderstand me. I am not telling you to stop speaking in tongues. In fact, I want all of you to speak in tongues. But when you gather with others, I want you to ask the Lord to show you how you can be of help to them. And if you'll do that, when it comes to a choice between speaking in tongues or prophesying, you'll choose to prophesy. Because that gift will help someone else. The exception to that rule would be if God specifically asked you to speak out in a tongue and told you that he would also give you the interpretation afterward so that you could, so you could explain to everyone what you'd said. In that case, the whole church would be blessed by the beautiful prayer or praise that your spirit spoke to God in a foreign language. We have more to say as we go through the chapter on what is tongues. Well, it's prayer or praise. Um, that's a whole other matter. When God tells you to bring a tongue and interpret it so, you, so it can be heard by all, it is just as edifying to the church in its own way as prophecy. Imagine what would happen if I, Paul, came to Corinth and all I did was speak to you in tongues. You wouldn't understand a word I'd said and I wouldn't have helped you at all. But I would never do that because I love you. I'm not going to spend my time among you edifying myself. I'm going to speak the word of the Lord to you in your own language. So, you, so I can edify you. When I'm with you, I want to uncover passages in the Bible about Jesus that you didn't understand, Revelation. Or help you discern the will of the Lord for you in a particular situation, knowledge. Or prophesy so you can see how God's promises apply to whatever need you have. Or teach you. How to function as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, my love for you will always cause me to ask God for a gift for you. One that you can understand and receive. And your love for me, for one another, should do the same. That's what he said. Do you hear his heart? He says, my brothers and sisters, I want you, particularly when you gather, to seek to prophesy. In other words, listen for a word from the Lord for others. Whether it be one-on-one, whether it be for the gathering, whether it be in any situation, if you're going to minister to anybody, you've got to listen to a word from the Lord. Isn't that the heart of things? It's when I've finally heard from God that something comes alive. I mean, think of your Bible reading. I'm going to talk about it in a minute as as, as one of the key ways of learning to to prophesy. When, when When you're reading through the scriptures, if you just read the scriptures... They can be dry as dust. You go pounding through this stuff and go, well, there you are. I did it. I did my reading for the day. 
and you've had no particular inspiration, no particular help. You read a whole bunch of stuff you maybe didn't understand or some stuff you didn't like. And, and, and you've just gone through it and it's over with and I did it, check that off the list, but I didn't get anything. Only, I, in fact, I'll just say for me, it's virtually the, the nature of things. Only when I have the revelation, only when the Lord suddenly opens something and he shows me something, only then does my heart wake up. Um, George Mueller, great, great leader from what, the 1700s? Um, he, he was from, wasn't he from Germany or from Switzerland? He, he, uh, he had an orphanage in uh, England. And he would never ask anyone for money. He would only pray it in. And it was just quite the story. But he made this statement, and I've never forgotten it. It's changed my life. He said, he said I, used to, I used to start by praying. And I would pray and try to break through to God. And he said, I could spend 45 minutes to an hour to doing that before I got any kind of real, real sense of God, you know, at all. And he said, then one day I decided to read the Bible until my heart gets happy. Uh, that just lit up to me. He said, I, I, I read the Bible now till my heart gets happy. Now, what he means is I read until there's a revelation. It's that moment, you know it, and, 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 and if, as you're meditating, as you're, as you're in the scripture, as you're there, all of a sudden, something comes alive to you. That is the Holy Spirit. He, it's, it's as though God takes that lid off it. He speaks something to you. He shows you something, something you have never seen before. I live on that. Don't you? And it's in those moments he suddenly shows it to you or at a new level. It's like, yes, your heart gets happy and you get strong again. This, this fundamental skill is, is essential to us. This is how we can carry on as Christians. Without the voice of the Lord, without knowing his voice and separating it from my flesh, without, if all I'm doing is, is just going away with my logic, it's just, you just, I mean, you die, don't you? It's got to have his voice. All right, so learning to prophesy. So Paul not only wants us all to speak in tongues, he wants us all to prophesy. And as we've seen, that is exactly what we should expect if we've entered into the new covenant. But if we've never learned to prophesy, Paul's words remain only a distant ideal. The Bible does not explain how to do this. But based on what I've learned over the years, here are several steps I believe will help anyone who has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to step out into the gift of prophecy. Every person who repents and believes is given the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it must be received. There's a divine side and a human side. We've talked about that at other times. Number one, learn the character of God. Would you say that? By continually, how do I learn? If I'm going to prophesy, if I'm going to step out and begin to listen to another voice, I have to learn the character of God. And there is really only one way to do that. By continually reading the Bible or have someone read it to you. A person learns to answer the question, would God say that? Only when we know scripture and are submitted to scripture are we safe to prophesy. Those verses there in 1 Corinthians that I add at the end. Paul says, if anyone thinks himself spiritual or a prophet or spiritual... And does not acknowledge that what I'm telling you is the, is the truth. He said he's not recognized. In other words, are, are you submitted 
in, in this case, to Paul's apostolic authority and in, in, in to Scripture, as it were. If you're, not, if you're not, you're not recognized, Paul says. he. So there's this deep submission of the heart. You read the Bible and you begin to find out that God is a just God. He is a merciful God. That God is a pure God. That God, God is, uh, at times, way kinder than you think he should be. Uh, that he just his nature. That he, he reserves the right to give mercy when it isn't deserved at all. You, you find that he's a just God. That he doesn't change his ways. That things are pure to him, etc. You, you begin to learn. So as, 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 as thoughts come to you, you begin to go, oh, well, that ain't him. You know, it's just like weed in the garden. You know, because your flesh, your mind produces thoughts too. Have you noticed? So there's like static on the radio. And you're listening through to try to hear the broadcast in the midst of static. And so you have to go, well, that's not him. And ooh, that sure ain't him. Like, can't believe I saw, yeah. And then, oh, that, but that's him. There it is. So you're evaluating. You're evaluating what you're reading. Is this the character of God that I've learned? So if you want to prophesy, and you must, begin to let that, just get the word of God in you. Just, just it changes your brains. It, it just changes the way you think. Just, just let it fill you. Number two, learn the voice of God. Would you say that? By meditating on a passage of scripture until you receive inspiration... You will learn to recognize the difference between your thoughts and God's thoughts. That is an that is a, a extremely uh, important way to learn. Uh, we teach this in uh, OSL, Operation Solid Lives. One of the skills you'll learn right, right, right up front is soaping. Uh, you might recognize that? When I took it, we, it was here, do, and pray, but it's now soap. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's, it's simple steps. I have done it with, with, with young, young children. Um, my, my own grandchildren do this. Uh, it, it, this, this, is, this is so doable. I, I taught a class on guitar, beginning guitar, <laughs> a number of years ago. And I thought, well, let's just, let's, let's and I, it was just a bunch of um, young people. And not just a bunch of young people. I was fortunate to be blessed with a group of young people. Um, but I thought, what are we going to do? And I said, let's soap. And so we began to read through things. And, and, I, and I, I would just have, have them take a passage and what, observation. What truth do you see that's as true today as it was then? And uh, then how does it apply to our lives? Where do we see it at work? And then, then how do we pray? I'm telling you, those young people... They were coming up with stuff from scripture that I, I said to one, one kid, save that, you're going to want to preach it someday. It was, it was real revelation. And I, I had junior hires getting profound revelation from the word. I mean, so you don't even, you don't, if you've got the spirit in you, I mean, you don't have to have some Bible education. You listen to the voice. And you get in there and you read that word with a humble heart. And the Lord suddenly shows you the depth of it. And you now have life. It is in that revelation that life comes forward. That's how you... So as you... I do this every day. I get up in the morning. I grab my cup of tea. I'm grumpy as all get out. I get down there. Open it up. And I... I'm looking at the past. I'm looking at the future. And, and I have to get in the word until my heart gets happy. And then he shows me something. And I began to write it out. I, and I, I journal it. I write it out. 
And in that process, it changes me. Day after day after day after day. It's a key to us. I'm and it's prophetic. If you can do that, you're prophesying. Number three, learn the voice of your flesh. Would you say that? By trial and error, with honest self-evaluation, you can learn from your successes and your mistakes. Yes, you will come up with things that are you will make mistakes. All of us do. I do. I apologize for things fairly regularly. You, there has to be a humility to this. If you're going to learn how to do it right, you have to make mistakes. If you're unwilling to make mistakes, you're just toast. I mean, you're done. You have to have the courage and self-evaluation. I think that was right. I think that was wrong. That's just normal. It's the way it is. Number four, learn to submit to a community of believers. Only those who submit to others and can receive correction are healthy enough to prophesy. People who float, who have no real accountability to a community of believers. I've had people come through on a number of occasions who say, God's called me here to tell you what's wrong with you. And I said, you know, my, I don't need you to do that. I said, I, I, I got lots of people to do that. No, <laughs> I, I did not say that. It was just a joke. Um, we had a license uh, years ago in Foursquare. It was called the Evangelist License. We, we don't have it anymore uh, for reasons. Um, and, and that license, it was different than our normal license. When you license a pastor, you, you know, they've got a church and a congregation and they've got a business council and, I mean, there's accountability, they've got a supervisor, there's a whole structure that a licensed pastor is part of and a submission. But this evangelist license was, well, you kind of thought the person ought to go to a church somewhere, but they were not within any structure. There was no one over them particularly. Uh, they were kind of... And they would just travel around and evangelize, I guess. And, and some of them, of course, were good. But there was a whole bunch of guys that just became uh, freelancers. And because they would attend some church and they would drop names, I go to so-and-so's church. But so-and-so didn't have a clue they were there. I mean, there, was no, there was no accountability. And what happens when someone's not accountable to others is they tend to, to uh, get sour and proud. And harsh. There's something wrong with it. Um, you and I, and, and I, I mean me, I need it. So do you. We need to be accountable to others. We need people who can go, wait a minute, Buster. That is so negative. That is not God. Stop it. Here you go again. <laughs> That's, my wife, thankfully, will do that. Like, we're getting a little negative here, aren't we? You think? He's like, mm-hmm. Okay. You know? I need that. So do you, I think. We need each other. The, the person who is above the community of God's people, the person who is not submitted to, the, to God's people, the person who has no one else in their lives, isn't safe to prophesy. Number five or six or whatever I, wherever I left off. Um, oh, number five. Let, learn to recognize what God is doing in a service. Observe what's happening at the moment. So you can weigh whether your word interrupts what God is saying or a work he is doing in those around you. So you become sensitive when you, whether it's a small gathering, a large gathering, what is God doing with all of us right now? And then you, you say, well, I've got a word. Well, hold it a minute and say, Lord, where does it fit? 
How does it fit? We, we have a process here at Northwest where, where when someone has a word, they come to the, uh, to the oversight pastor or, or to me or whatever, and they just say, here's what I've got. And you know, I'll, I'll listen to it. Um, is that for you or is that for us? Is this, is this valid? If it is a valid word, I, sometimes I'll say, that's a valid word. Would you mind sitting down here and, and just wait? Uh, let me see where this fits. So I have a word, but I'm watching for where does it fit. Now, actually, we had that today in the service. Uh, one of the sisters who prays for the service beforehand comes and says the word that you heard earlier. She said it to me. She was just telling me. She wasn't saying, can I say this to everybody? And I said, now, would you mind sharing that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> what I recognized was prophecy. Uh, the, what was, did you recognize that in it? Yeah, that was that was that that had that spark of life that had that that came from God and it touched me and I heard it and I looked around and I thought we're at a break everybody stand around this fits right now kind of invites us in further into where it fits here right here so I, I give me the microphone you know got the microphone on and just brought it right there in the service why it fit there it was the Lord and it fit right in there so you just become sensitive to where, what is God doing in the larger context and where does this fit? Number six, learn to ask whether that word is meant just for you. Ask yourself, who is God speaking this word to and why? Sometimes it's an absolutely valid word, but it is not for us, it's for you. Sometimes the word is for us, not, in, uh, not everyone else. Number seven, when, learn when to stop. Say what God gives you and then stop. Don't use prophecy as an opportunity to preach to people. Sometimes people will have a prophetic word and then they use it like a text and then start preaching. Right. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> uh, that, that's, uh, it, it, it's, when you have the word, start. And then when the Lord stops, stop right there. You say, well, it needs to be explained. L let him do that to the heart. I mean, sometimes there's a simple thing, but, but uh, that's where we get in trouble usually. He stops and we keep rolling. Um, me too. <laughs> yeah. If I need to stop when he stops. In fact, one of the reasons I write things out is I'm really listening to him. And it's when I get off, I get off course is when I start rolling. That's when I often have to apologize. Number eight, learn to be very, learn to be very careful about di directive prophecies. Do you, when I say directive prophecies, do you know what that is? Where people tell people what to do right. or what their future is or, um, you know, what they give them dates or they give them this is going to happen by or you're going to have a baby or you should marry that person or they start directing people. Um, that, that's where things have become very complicated. I, let me just say this real clearly. When it comes to direction for my life, I will listen to prophetic words, but I will never guide my life based on a prophecy someone gives me. I will only allow that. I will hold it. I, I will listen to it. Not, not cynically. I will listen to the word. And I will, I will see if it, God confirms it. Why? I'm in the new covenant. So I have the Holy Spirit as do you. So his primary way of guiding me as a, as a son or daughter of God is he's going to speak to my heart. Mm -hmm. He wants us listening to him. Mm 
He can confirm things. He can affirm things uh, through, other, through other words. But I am not in the Old Covenant. I don't go running to a prophet to get guidance. Now, you know people that do, but that's immaturity. They have not learned what I'm telling you today. And they've not, or not taken the responsibility for their own guidance. I will listen to things, but I will never take a person's prophecy as my guidance. That's where so much trouble has happened. I can think of people who have had words years ago, and they are still sort of stuck on those. Over all these years, nothing has happened, nothing's taken place, How, it, you know, and yet they're confused by it, they're troubled by it. They've, they've let a prophecy come, become, it, to go untested, I guess you say. You have to test these things. So I'll listen, and I will seriously listen. But I will always say, Lord, what are you saying? Does this confirm it? And sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I've, I've said this many times, but look, when you and I stand before the Lord, he's going to ask us what we chose. He's going to say, what did you do for me? We, you know we all have that coming, right? We all get that time with Jesus. And he, will, he says that. We're all going to stand before him. He's going to say, what did you do for me? And, and, and he's, I can't say, well, he, they told me this. I can't pass the buck. I have to take responsibility for my own life. So I'm going to answer to him, not you, for my life. So I'm going to take responsibility for the decisions I make about what I do and those things. I mean, finally, I'm responsible for my own decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah. If we will avoid... Are there ever times where directive prophecy is, is, is right on the money? Yes, there are. And I, so I cannot say it can never happen. But boy, if you're going to bring one, you test it hard. You test it very hard and offer it as humbly as possible. And, 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 and allow the person to hear it in their own heart. Because that's where it's got a process. Moses longed for all of God's people to prophesy. Joel said a day would come when that would happen. And Peter stood up and said that because of Jesus, that day had arrived. That means you and I can speak the word of the Lord. Yes, learning to prophesy can be intimidating. And we might make mistakes as we learn. But if we are willing to step out and try, maybe using some of the steps listed above, we will surely learn because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And many people will be strengthened by this precious gift. May God's love for others constrain us to passionately desire the things of the Spirit. May God's love constrain us to passionately desire the things of the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Praise God. Would you stand with me if you can? Otherwise, stay seated. Some of us have been moving in the prophetic and listening to the Spirit for decades, for much of our life. Others of us... It's been a hard thing. It's been a difficult thing. We wanted to or we've admired others who did. Maybe we've been burned. There are those who've had prophetic words and things which were just off the mark or hurt us or condemned us or left us stuck for, for years. Um, it's a very, very delicate thing when you say, thus saith the Lord. Boy, it changes the nature of everything when you say, thus saith the Lord. It really does need to be that. But without being afraid, 
without holding and saying, I never will. Let's start just gently letting it happen in us. In your devotional time. In, your, in, 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 in simple things. Just watch for the voice of the Lord. And then step out. Paul says it. I want you all to prophesy. That's the apostle. That's what he's telling us. This, says Joel, is the agenda for the new covenant. Men and women, young and old, you shall all prophesy, saith the Lord. That's us, people. So this is, this is what God has for us. It's part of our life. So yes, can there be mistakes? Maha. That doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because there's mistakes doesn't mean you don't deeply love the true. Haven't you had, on the other hand, words from the Lord that just strengthened you and healed you and set you free? Haven't you had words from the Lord at times that protected your life or your family? Hasn't he guided you? How, can, we, can we live without that? Not at all. It is essential. So yes, there's mistakes. But we'll, let's call them what they are and move on. And let's lay hold of all of God that we can. Lord, we ask you to open our ears to hear your voice. Our eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, we would listen. Every one of us would move and would welcome your prophetic voice. Teach us to watch for revelation. Teach us to wait for revelation. To know your voice from ours. Come Lord. May this be foundational in every one of us. We would walk in all you have for us. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for coming and dwelling within us. And with each and every one of us. We bless you Lord. We belong to you. Teach us to prophesy in Jesus' powerful name. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? amen? Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.